So, some of you may have noticed uh, these past few days a slight uh, change in your energetic quality, energetic quality of the mind, that sense of, um, not for all of you, but, but most of you, that the the retreat, the special conditions of this, this time we have together are drawing to a close. So for anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, and congratulations. You've won. You've accomplished something difficult to accomplish. Sort of um, imagining a, a meditator at the end of a retreat. Or, you know, the teacher rings the bell and says, okay, that's it. Pack your bags, go home. So what? Oh, really? I, oh, no idea. Since, uh, as far as I understand it, all of you have, have been on retreats like this, and you've you've probably experienced this quality before, a uh, sense of the mind beginning to move forward, and. For me, in my experience, it's not a very comfortable thing. It's sort of, um, there's, there can be a lot of fighting against that. Uh, come on, no, it's not, not over yet, you know. Stay with it. Um, and yet there can also be, um, speaking from my own experience, a sense of almost delight in, in what's going to come, something that's going to change. And that can also be, you know, fear, Fear can come up around that as well, but it's it's something that um, that we're quite accustomed to that that looking forward to planning. I have to. I'm going to. I will. I better. And uh, and that's just um, that's just part of our. Our life, it's part of the way that our, our minds work. And it's what we've been doing for the last month is trying to just be aware of it. Um, but not but not necessarily having a, a sense of uh, annihilating it or getting away from it. Um, this, this is just what our minds do. And perhaps when we, you know, before the retreat began, this, this was something we were... Um, sometimes aware of, you know, very aware of just, you know, planning for the retreat, getting ready for the retreat. Uh, and perhaps we were telling our friends and relatives, I'm going on this one-month retreat. Um, so I'm like, I'm going to go really deep on this one. <laughs> it's going to be really profound. I can feel it. And... You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna really delve with some of these difficulties I've been having, and and so um, then we get on the retreat, and and um, maybe we're right about the difficulties, but sometimes we're we overestimate the the peace or the the non dukkha um, that we experience. I liken this to um, sometimes how. When I, you know, when I was younger, we had these 
exams. I think you, you know about the ACT, SAT for, for college entrance. And um, they used to be pretty, pretty regular. You didn't use a computer with them. Um, you just filled in answers to questions that um, basically determined uh, the rest of your life. And if you got anything wrong, then you were just stricken to hell and you were never going to be successful in a failure. Um, but uh, it's interesting how it changed uh, that nowadays it's all done on computer. And what was fascinating to me was that um, somebody who, who uh, gets the results of their exam, this is for the most part, I'd say 99% of people, uh, they might have a very low score. And somebody who gets the results of these exams, they, they might have a very high score. And both people will usually say the same thing. That was incredibly difficult. Really, 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 really difficult. And it's strange, you know, how does, a, how does somebody who gets a very low score and somebody who gets a very, very high score, even almost perfect score, say that it was difficult? And that's because when it went to being on computer, it, um, every wrong answer that one gets, one then, the... the um, the computer, the, the algorithms are determining, okay, I better not, I better not uh, up the ante too much and ask harder questions. So basically when people start getting at a level of 50% wrong, then it keeps the, the level the same, and that's how it determines the score. Whereas somebody who's doing, uh, just keeps answering the, the questions correctly, then um, the algorithm keeps bumping up the difficulty level. So that somebody who has an, a near-perfect score um, won't get up to that that 50% wrong mark until they're at like incredible high difficulty. And so, for each of us, we have our own our own path and the, the ways that each of us are, are working with our own difficulties and problems. And so, um, sometimes we want to compare ourselves to others or think that you know this retreat's going to be different than other retreats, and I'm going to. You know, do so well, but it's we don't really know what's going to come up for us. We don't know um, the particular um, depths that we're going to be able to delve into, and um, what's going to come up for us. I mean, for some, it might be just a this is the most boring retreat I've ever had in my life, or or this is so exciting. I was looking forward to every one of Ajahn Suchito's talks. It was. They were just so uh, so amazing and so uh, enjoyable, and uh, I had the best retreat ever. It was amazing. Others, oh, it's the worst thing, worst experience of my life. And yet, we're all on on the same retreat. And it's it's interesting that somebody who who says oh, this is the worst worst retreat of my life they might have actually learned a lot more than the person who said this was the best experience. We don't know, you know, we, we, we kind of think sometimes as, uh, like with difficulties that arise that, oh, that means that I'm doing poorly. You know, or, or oh, such an easy retreat, it was so nice, I was just in these pure blissful, you know, I just had all these blissful experiences and it was just one John after the next, and well, maybe you got lucky.
Maybe you had some past karma. And now you think you're the best meditator in the world, so you're going to suffer you know, around that. I can't get these jhanas back anymore. It was that one perfect, amazing retreat. 2022, Ajahn Suchito. <laughs> Never again. So I'll have to go on the 2024 retreat with Ajahn Suchito, and then I'll get those jhanas back. Or whenever it is. But this is the this is the kind of thing that we do is we're we're often not aware of our own um, experience because we're judging it all the time. We're kind of putting it under a microscope, and um, it's very hard to see. You know, like well, what is what is actually changed? What's going on here? And one of the problems with especially the the end is that we get into um, this this very typical mindset of okay. I'm, now I have to plan everything out. I got to get my life to be exactly as it is on the retreat when it finishes. So when I go back home, it's like nothing changes. I'm meditating the same amount of time, walking very slowly, you know, <laughs> noting every single you know, mouthful, and uh, everything will be perfect. Uh, maybe I'll have almond butter though instead of peanut butter. That'll be, that'll be better for me. You know, whatever it is, and, I'll, and then you see that the mind starts to then incline towards something, and that's like, oh, and oh, yeah, I'm going to tell so-and-so about this, and all right, and then I'm going to, oh, right, dinner. I have to have dinner again. Whatever it is, we start to to build on the future. And there's nothing wrong with this. It's what we've been doing since I think we started to divide the world when we were infants and we started learning about just how different things are and how to interpret uh, our experience. But our, our problem is, is that we fight, we very much fight against this and think that it's a sense of like who and what we are. I'm a bad person for having these plans or um, I should know better or whatever it is. And the, the, the problem is that uh, we're not seeing that this is just bhavatanha, this is just the, the normal aspect of becoming that to a certain extent we've been able to slow down to a degree during the retreat. Um, but we've had these very special conditions to do that. And a retreat is, you know, these are under very special conditions and they can't, they can be approximated in non-retreat life, but uh, they can't be duplicated. You know, we do have to deal with bills and other people and, um, future plans and cars breaking down and uh, adversity. And so that's the, the challenge we want to engage with is to know that this, this becoming is happening and, you know, it's kind of mixed in with vibhavatana, this sort of non-becoming as well is sort of like, oh, I just want to get me out of here or I don't want to do this or I'd rather not. And also, as I was mentioning as well, like we start to turn a little bit more towards sensuality because there are, in a situation like this, you know, we've only had three choices of salad dressings. <laughs> One day there was four of us really confusing. But now there's 822, 
you know, and then we start making our own and, and all of these things happen. So, uh, you know, how to do this skillfully, though, how to engage with uh, an ending of a retreat, an ending of a certain uh, way that we have been experiencing ourselves and beginning a new way that encourages us to, to do this with wisdom, but also with the knowledge like, okay, well, there are always difficulties that come up, you know, there, there's not, there's no way to avoid that. I mean, talking to people who weren't on the retreat, and even if they have a sense of what it is we're doing, you know, they, they're not going to be ha- having had the same rhythms. So there's a divide. Um, there's that typical sense people ask, like, oh, how was your retreat? And then ten minutes later, like, oh, my God, will this person stop talking? <laughs> I just wanted to know how, like, was it good or bad? <laughs> and, you know, of course, it's not that simple, but um, it's hard. We want to we wanna be able to talk with other people, but it's, it's not as easy in that, in that vein as well. So sometimes we just learn to keep it, to keep it a bit private. Oh, yeah, it's a good retreat. I learned some of this and that. And uh, if people want more, then they'll, you know, they'll ask for more. But the, um, the thing that we want to encourage in ourselves, I think, that's so important, is that we're transitioning, and we have an opportunity right now to not only learn about that transition, but to, to do it with as much skill as, as we can. You know, as much, as much as what we've gained over the last month, there's a lot of wisdom that's, that's uh, been brought to the fore, and, and we can actually use that. So I think one of the, one of the things that's very helpful right now, uh, again, uh, if I'm shattering anybody's sense that there was an end, I'm sorry, but there is probably going to be an end of this retreat. And, you know, how to actually work with that over the next couple of days, rather than resist it, or, or do the opposite, you know, look forward to it, look forward to a tra- this transition. Oh, how do I maintain um, what Ajahn Suchito has been teaching all along and what I've been doing with my own Dhamma practice for the many years before this? How do I, how do I actually use this momentum of the mind, the energetic quality of the mind that's changing, in a way to understand the Dhamma? So as I, I mentioned, one way is not to persecute ourselves. It's not to say, you know, it shouldn't be this way or I should be able to handle this by now. Uh, this should be something that, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a master of at this point, you know, ending a retreat or coming off of a retreat or re-entering the world or even thinking about it. We might chastise ourselves for, for thinking like, what, you know, why do I have this this change in momentum? Why can't I just keep the retreat going into the last second and this, this sort of sense of what the mind's doing? And that's because, you know, we, we can't. That's not, uh, that's not actually what, we're, what, the, what the Buddha was teaching us. It wasn't a denial of experience um, or like a, you know, strangling experience saying, no, you have to, it has to be this way. It shouldn't be that way. So through, of course, embodiment, through really bringing it into our own sense of our, our own experience, our bodily experience, 
our chitta, our heart. Or say, well, this is how it is. This is our experience. And as, as Lumpur Sumedho uh, teaches on this, it's just, he just, you just use that one phrase and you can say it over and over again to yourself and it has so much profundity. It's, it's incredible. Just, it's like this. So it's it's uh, it's really so helpful because dukkha is really the representation of it shouldn't be like this, or we say it's not like this. And so it's quite an opportunity to to really bring that bring that up for ourselves. Um, and to to know like the what we're learning here is is not to to have a better experience it's not to like um, just feel better or or uh, make make everything sort of see see the world in pink and and just uh, make ourselves essentially just like happy and blissful all the time it's to know that you know when we're when we're not happy, that, that we're not happy. Or when we're frustrated, we're frustrated. Or uh, that, that this is anxiety. This is very normal. And so what, you know, what the Buddha was talking about when he was saying, you know, don't torture yourself, it's like it, our tendency can often be like, no, but yeah, I'm anxious, but I shouldn't be such an anxious person. I should be better than that. You know, so we try to 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 kill our fear, or um, or or worse, we we tell ourselves that we're we're not a good person for having it. I've been meditating for 25 years. How can I still experience fear? Or this is the 27th retreat I've finished and how could I still, you know, even care that there's an ending? Or I don't care that there's an ending. What's he talking about? This talk is very irritating to me. So it's like this. And so one of our, our goals in terms of, I think, ending uh, when, when retreats end or going on retreat is to, to also have a sense of ending it well. Um, and, you know, I also want to address the fact that, of course, it's just changing circumstances. We can say, well, there really isn't an ending of a retreat. It's just... 
It's just sort of a change in postures. It's a change in what we're doing. We don't have to necessarily see it like an end. But, you know, we are actually packing our bags and leaving. Not everyone, but most of us. This reminds me of a famous story that uh, I probably won't get right because I'm not the one who is the, the main uh, character in it. Ajahn Sachita was. But uh, there was a time when, you know, like we're about to engage in a three-month retreat in most of our um, monasteries in, in Europe and uh, Americas and um, Australia. And, and so these three-month retreats that, that we have, sometimes they're preceded by about like a week or so or, or some amount of time where it's just a quiet time in the monastery. And so there was a, there was a time when this um, pre-retreat uh, week or whatever it was, five days, three days, it was, it was kind of unclear just like, okay, we're just going to stop work and people can kind of wrap up their business and prepare for the retreat. But the retreat start date wasn't announced. And it wasn't said like, okay, we're going to do this for a week. It's just we're going to have a little time. And so, as I understand it, one of the monks or, or very junior members of the community went up to Ajahn Suchito after a few days and said, um, Ajahn, uh, has, has the retreat begun? I mean, are we are we... Are we on retreat now? Is it has it started? Has it begun? And he said, Well, for some of us, the retreat has begun. And for others, it never will. <laughs> and so I, I would think this kind of junior member walked away a bit bewildered. <laughs> Which one am I? I'm not sure. And so we can, you know, we can take a page from that and also say, you know, about this retreat. Um, it's that, you know, the, the, for some of us the retreat has already ended. And for others it never will. But in terms of it never will, that would be more a sense of seeing like, okay, I think more of an acceptance that the conditions are changing you know, these are very special conditions. But it doesn't have to be a, a black or white kind of transition, you know, a, a sort of one of extremes, a kind of um, it ends and then I am a new person or I'm doing this or I'm doing that. So what we can say is, yes, that these conditions are ending and then um, while they're ending, you know, how do we use this, as I was saying, with, with wisdom, this, this kind of transition? And so if our past um, uses of this time have been, I'm going to do this, that differently, and then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to reschedule my entire day, every day, uh, for the rest of my life now. Uh, a three-hour sit in the morning, and then a five-hour sit in the evening, and I'll do a lot of walking in between, and then, oh yeah, I have to do some yoga as well. Oh, in the new Qigong I've learned, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my forgiveness practice, I want to do that, right? And uh, right in the appreciation practice, I have to do that. Oh, metta, I forgot about metta. Yeah, i got to do at least three or four hours of metta a day. That'll even out. And, oh right, there's this whole old age thing. I guess I'm aging. I should probably work that in there. And the dying, yeah. 
definitely dying. Um, okay, so that's 48 hours in 24. Uh, I'm going to do that. So that, you know, this is the, the tendency is like, how can I create my, my perfect um, after retreat experience? And you haven't even finished the retreat. <laughs> and it's still going on. And I, and I remember, you know, I just remember this, this happens every time I, I have uh, this, this separation from the community in, in terms of this retreat time there. A lot of times um, in the monasteries we'll have opportunities to do what's called a solitary retreat. Um, which means that you don't have any responsibilities. Um, you can come to the meal, you cannot come to the meal, you can um, just do what you want with your practice, as long as you're practicing and and then um, and then all of a sudden it ends and you're back into well you're back into becoming and that's what often happens I'm the, the guest monk or I'm the vice abbot or um, I'm the work monk or we step into these roles and then that becomes us or we become that And so I think I think what's important is over these next couple of days to to kind of um, try to gather one's wits, you know, to really kind of say, well, what what can I do differently with this ending that that I that I haven't done in in the last times that I've ended a retreat, and maybe this has been a skill that's been built upon over the last many years how to transition. So you can, you can still um, find something, I think, that, that can be valuable in this. It might even be, oh, well, the mind's actually not engaging in that much becoming. It's not engaging in as much as I, I usually... Um, do engage with at the end of the retreat. There's not so much activity. What's that about? Did I do something? Has something changed? And so we keep coming back to that embodiment. What is, what is here right now? What's present for us? For myself, in my in my experience now, what uh, you know, I'm just noticing my own mind and the inclinations I have towards going back to Baigiri. So the uh, the current abbot, Ajahn Yanako, is uh, he's departing on a seven month sabbatical, seven month sabbatical, and he said, "Okay, you're in charge, Chunda." Oh, so that's you know that's been this kind of it's been sort of hovering over the mind, if you will, over the retreat. And uh, I might have mentioned this to Ajans Chito and Tansinato on the but that's what's come up. It's like, oh, what am I going to do about this? 
how am I going to lead? How am I going to um, deal with this? And of course the mind then moves into like, oh, I'm going to. I'm going to make the monastery much better than it was. And everybody's going to be happy and be really, they're just going to say that my leadership was so amazing, just so great, and they're going to establish me as uh, the abbot of a new monastery somewhere else, which would be awful. But the, um, you know, the, there's a sense of, of, uh, of like, you know, it, truthfully speaking, like, oh, it's, it's, there's going to be something I'm going to do that's going to be good or better or uh, I'm going to do this and it's, it's going to have this result. And it's, it's just, um, it's comical because it's like, no, A, I don't know if I'm going to do that, and B, it's not going to have any result that I think it's going to have because it never works out that way. But the mind wants to create solidity. It wants to say, okay, it wants to create a, a, a known future, something that's uh, clear and present and, uh, or not present in this case. It's just something that I can predict. It's predictable. It's controllable. And it's it's um, it's good. It's not like I'm I'm planning for a disaster. Like I can't wait till everything turns out to be a disaster. This is going to be great. Um, no, it's like well, I'm going to do this, and it's going to be it's going to work out. And uh, the irony is is um, how many times that sentiment occurs. You know, I'm not sure if it's the same for you, but the the sense of like predicting and planning and and then it's going to be you know it's going to turn out just amazing it's going to be happily ever after there's there's no there's not going to be any problems anymore and just yeah that's that's incredible because it's just like like the biggest lie <laughs> that's ever existed it just doesn't doesn't work out that way and sometimes it works out um in a different way, and it's better, and sometimes it works out in the way exactly as planned, and it's worse. So the, the sense is, though, like, okay, how can I, how can I be aware of that and um, move forward uh, with wisdom? And so I can keep coming back to the sense of, okay, this is what, this is what the mind does. It's natural, it's normal, it just plans, it creates. It, it has a, uh, an incredibly uh, strong propensity towards prediction and control. You know, this is why when the Buddha talks about the three characteristics, you know, he's really, he's really you know, Nietzsche is, is one of the things. We want to say that things are permanent, uh, that they, they have... Uh, a lasting quality to them that's that's unchanging. As many of you know, Ajahn Chah used to, he, he had a more turn of phrase with that. He said, not sure. So Nietzsche, which uh, is usually translated as permanence, um, and Anicca is impermanent, and the Ajahn Chah said, well, actually, it's, it's, our, it's our sense of wanting fixedness and surety and kind of a sense that this is, uh, I, can, I can predict this. 
that we have to be very careful with. So we, we just introduce that phrase, not sure. And so it's, it's quite helpful because at the same time that we're trying to embody our own experience, we're trying to uh, sense our chittas, a uh, sense of, of our, our heart, what's present for us, we also we need to, to, to do some analysis as well. You know, we need to do some reflection. Because the, the heart reveals what's present for us, but then we use, we use the Dhamma, we use what we've learned to analyze that. So our stories, you know, might, might have that, that sense, you know, what's happening now on the retreat is, uh, is different. I'm going to be doing X, Y, and Z, and I have to plan for my plane trip and who I'm going to, to see and who I have to call in order to make arrangements. I'm just not sure. And what do you do when you get to the airport and your, your flight is canceled? So the, you know, the first thing is, I can't believe this. this the, how could they do this to me? You know, and, and, but, but what we're learning is more like, oh, okay, well, this is still painful. There's no denial in the pain of, of things changing, of things not being the way we want. But, but we're still, we have a quality of wisdom with that. And, oh, that's right. This is all not sure. So I, you know, I plan, okay, I'm going back to Baigiri, I get there, and then Ajahn says, I have to talk to you about something. And I, I say, you know, what's, what's that? He says, well, actually, um, you're not aware of this, but the plane crashed while you're trying to get back to California. You're actually in the afterlife, and uh, you are. So, oh, really? Wow. Yeah, I'm just uh, an emanation of Brahma, and I'm just... Tell you, oh wow! I didn't guess. I thought you were going to tell me I wasn't going to be the abbot. <laughs> but but that's you know there's there's all kinds of possibilities. I, that one probably won't be one of them. But but it's it's possible that you know I could yeah get back to Baigiri, and then everyone's dead, and then there won't be anybody to actually have to worry about. <laughs> but I could get back there, and Ajin and Ajin Yana could say, actually I talked to the community and. Um, there was a lot of thoughts, actually, maybe it wouldn't be so good for you to do this. And, uh, oh. And so it's funny, because I could have even had a dread of like, oh, I don't really want to do this, you know. Be responsible for all of this. You know, I just want to be on retreat for three months and and then, you know, have somebody else do it. But then, but then all of a sudden there's that, no, the community kind of thinks maybe it'd be better we have somebody else. Oh. This knife wound to the heart. How could you? And this little voice says, I thought you didn't really want to do this. Sort of like... And that's how it is. It's, it's just like, no, it's the prediction. It's the control. It's the, the sense of I know who I am and what I am and what I'm doing. That's what's important that I have something predictable, even if it's something I don't like or I don't want. It's, um, 
you know, it's something that's, that I can rely on. It's going to happen. I know it's going to be just like this. Or the irony in that situation is it's, it's like something maybe I don't actually want to do, but then all of a sudden there's rejection involved. There's like other people. And then that was supposed to be predictable. Like what? People don't like me now? How did, how did that happen? I thought being liked was supposed to be stable over time. You know, just everybody likes you. Everything's cool. Everything's fine. But it's, you know, it's never that way. This somebody, you know, who adores you then wakes up in a bad mood and you're, you're like the devil to them. Like, how did that happen? Because it's always changing. So, you know, with these, with these last couple of days now, then we have a sense, all right, this just, this just keeps changing. My moods fluctuate. You know, a sense of the, the other people that you've been living with for a month, and you may not see them again, or for a long time. Or maybe you'll see too much of them, you know, and then that's, that's a dread or something like that. Or something to look forward to. The I can't wait. I can't wait until. So as I've been talking about these things, these are all uh, ways to, to kind of illustrate for yourself, you know, what's going on, what's going on for you, what what's present for you. And I think what's, what's helpful is, is just to ask uh, the question, you know, how, how can I do this a little differently? How can I do this with a little more wisdom so that the transition, um, this, this current transition that I'm in, if the retreat is, is ending, again, there's a few of you who it, it is not quite quite over. And I'll remind you, it's not actually over. There's still a couple more days left. How do you, you know, what, what, what is there to work with then? How to transition well? Some people talk about the, the good death, you know, how to die well. Um, From the body's perspective, I don't think there's any way to die well. It's uh, it's pretty messy affair usually. But from the mind's perspective, there is a possibility of of uh, of ending things well, no matter how difficult they are. And that means that we transition into trying to be aware of the same mistakes that we've made in the past and to be forgiving of ourselves when those same mistakes come up. Or even if there are things we thought that we, we knew how to deal with, but we don't this time around. We just, we just keep on being aware. Well, it's like this. 
rather than it being, you know, an opportunity for what some of us are very good at, you know, judging ourselves. So this can be, you know, this can be an ongoing reflection, you know, how do I, how do I do this in a beautiful way? You know, because we talk about an ending, we're also talking about a beginning. And, you know, we're also talking about, as I began the talk with uh, Bhava Tanha, that sense of becoming, you know. Unless one is an Arahant, there is... There is no end to um, this sense of me and mine and what I will be and how I'll be and what I have to do. But when we're aware of it, then we, we can stem the flow of it. We can stem the flow of becoming. But that doesn't mean, you know, the outflows just end right there. It just means that we we know how to slow it down. So we're used to our patterns. We're used to our our typical behaviors. And oh, there it is again. Okay. How can I slow that one down? Just the uh, last night, I was um, I was coming uh, into the hall, and but before I was going on a very long hallway, and I was, oh, I, I really, you know, three minutes early is is uh, is actually three minutes late, so I better get in there fast. And so I really started picking it up, and then one of you kind of came. To, came the opposite direction towards me and I was like, oh, that's not very inspiring of me. I better slow down. So that's that sense of, of, of wanting to go, wanting to get That you know that also affects others, and it certainly affects our own minds. But there's you know there's at the same time there's nothing punishable about it. There's nothing kind of. Um, I mean, this is praise from a worldly sense. You know, look at him go! Wow, he really works hard. Running here, running there. But we're, we're, we're consistently trying to conduce towards our own happiness. We're trying to support our own well-being. And so then it's not just a, a sense of like, oh, this, this is not in, so inspiring for other people. It's like, oh, what is inspiring for me? What is helpful for me? What is 
what's the best thing that I can do for myself right now? Because usually when we're, when we're very aware of that, what's the right thing for me to do? And it's not coming from a selfish motive, then almost all the time then it's usually the right thing for other people. It's not, it's not something that uh, is taking advantage of others or um, getting in the way uh, of other people or having a sense of greed, hatred, or delusion. So we're kind of inviting the skillful, we're inviting uh, that which is wholesome into our experience. And so as this this transition is occurring, then that sense of invitation is very important. We call it like a puarana in Pali, like inviting. So I really want to encourage that uh, over these next couple of days and... um, For those who are who are actually leaving the forest refuges, okay, this is a inviting quality of a sense of you know what's present for me now, the the causes and conditions are changing, and so how can I be present with that, not make a problem out of it, and then use it for insight. And the more we're able to do that, then miraculously, then the the transition uh, becomes much easier. So we stop kind of moving into looking forward to or, you know, kind of turning back. I wish it would last longer. I wish it was more like this. Or I wish I should have done that. Or I will do this. And we're, we, we just stay in that center. It's the center of that, that whirlwind that uh, we can often be caught up in. The center of a, a hurricane is actually a very calm point or spot, which is fascinating if you think about it. It's just this incredibly violent, um, violent winds and uh, movement, but yet right in the center is just is just this calm, unmoving point. And so that's what we want for ourselves because the conditions out, out there, they're always changing. And so we want to 
we want to remain in the center. So the mind isn't just automatically going out. And that doesn't mean that we're, we don't plan. Uh, it doesn't mean that we don't have to engage with the conditions, but it's, it's where we're coming from. It's that stability within that allows us to be with these different experiences, but not be so moved by them. So over these next uh, couple of days, I, I just invite you to try to maybe use that phrase of Lumpur Sumedho. It's like this. And you can possibly sometimes see the resistance to that since uh, it shouldn't be like this or I wish it was some other way. But when we surrender to that, we, we let go we're no longer holding on to uh, the way we wish it, it should be or wish it could be. Then we find that, that stability in these changing conditions to be a place of wisdom, understanding, and a sense that we have, oh right, there's not as much suffering when I stay in. When the mind isn't leaping out to the next thing. It's just like this this beautiful pause. And then there is that sense of freedom that can occur in that moment. It's the freedom not to be drawn out. I find for myself that's where the the Buddha's teaching on faith comes in because faith uh, in the way that the Buddha taught it was, was meant actually confidence. And so when you're, when you you've penetrated a, a sort of sense of, of the mind not needing to move out and you're, you're, you've actually have done something like that. You've used a turn of phrase just like that. It's like this and then the mind pauses, it stays in and there might be, you know, you might see very clearly, oh no, it wants to move. There's an inclination towards something. I have to get this or I don't want that but the mind just stays where it is. And there's, there's a, what's called chanda, there's a desire for that. It's a wholesome desire. All right, this is what the experience of non-suffering is. This is the flavor of non-suffering. And the more we get acquainted with it and we, we 
have a taste of that, that sense of what, what it's like, then we incline towards it. And the harder part is that magnetically, because of our past karma, we are very much drawn towards samsara. We're drawn towards the world of becoming and non-becoming and sensuality. It's just a very natural drawing. And so we're doing something that, that really goes against that. And I don't know anybody yet who I've encountered who, who said, you know, just like the, these college entrance exams, oh, it's easy. This Dhamma practice is so easy. As the Buddha remarked, it's the, the most difficult thing one can do. Easier to conquer the world. But the more that we enjoy that experience of non-suffering, the more that we get acquainted with it, the more that we you know, become the, the center of the hurricane. then that is where our minds incline towards. And so whether uh, our retreat is like this is ending or it's beginning, then our habit, just we just keep coming back to that center. We keep coming back, withdrawing the mind from the becoming, withdrawing the mind from the, the sensuality. And that's the, that's the taste of freedom. That's the, the inclination that we can become habituated to and it becomes very alive and important to us. And it's, it's of course, very gradual. It can take lifetimes. So it's not it's not a race, you know. We we're not we don't have to compete against anyone. This retreat doesn't have to be a, you know, for some a nine point five out of ten, and others a four point two out of ten. It doesn't have to be a a grade we're giving ourselves. It's just that that inclination we're continuing to encourage ourselves in that centering, that pausing, that calm and very quiet point of mind. Where the desire changes. That's why the, um, the first stage of enlightenment is called stream entry. Because one enters the stream of Dhamma. Which is going against the stream of the world. But in entering the stream of Dhamma, one is, is then pulled into it. It's an irreversible Entering. 
so over and over we just keep on inclining ourselves that's where that's where we're moving towards that's that's our interest and it's just one step at a time it's not you know it doesn't have to be a heroic attempt it's that as i mentioned before it's that gradual just like drop by drop until it's a, a flow a flow of dhamma and a stream of dhamma So we can continue to engage in our formal practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.com dot org slash donate